So it is great to be here with my brothers and sis- sisters worshiping God. I hope you guys like doing that because I plan on doing that with you guys forever. And if uh, worshiping's not your thing, you might be a little disappointed with heaven. But if it is, you're really going to like heaven. But anyway, that's not what the message is about today. Um, I was praying really hard to try to figure out what I was going to speak about. And I think on Monday I got my answer. I work for a local HVAC company. And on my last call, I had an annual maintenance call for an air conditioner. I was out at the outside unit. And I was hosing the unit off when all of a sudden I felt this intense burn on the back of my hand. It took me to a second to realize, but I had been stung. I was looking around. I didn't see anything. I looked at the flowers. I didn't see any bumblebees or bees. I looked at the ground. I didn't see any yellow jackets. Um, I even looked around the AC and I didn't see anything. So I continued to go, I bent down, I attached the gauges to the lower back side of the unit, and then as I was crouched down, kind of like in my eyesight, I could just see that wasp hanging upside down and, you know, with the wings in military position, like the angry eyebrows. So I got that wasp spray, and I sprayed at the side of the unit, and it all foamed up, and one by one, till about seven wasps dropped out of the AC unit. Then I thought, man, it is so rare for me to get stung. I haven't got stung in well over five years. And that was the first time I got stung from a wasp inside an air conditioning unit. And I've been messing with air conditioning units for about 20 years. So I thought, this is so weird. Maybe God is trying to show me something. I thought, this is probably what my sermon is supposed to be about. So if you needed to hear my sermon today, thanks for getting me stung. So with that in mind, I titled this sermon, Death, Where Is Your Sting? So before we go too far, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for being here with us. I just pray that you take this message and you use it to edify your people and strengthen your church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So according to census.gov, one person in America dies about every 11 seconds. Death doesn't discriminate on age, gender, race, And death doesn't care about our plans. Doctors have tried for centuries to keep people alive. Yet, in the end, we all die. Medical tech companies endlessly try to find ways to keep people alive longer. So we are taught often that death is the worst thing that that we can face in our lives. Is that what the Bible teaches? Let's start with our main verse, which is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, and 55. And when you find it, please stand for the reading of God's word.
when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? You may be seated. The first thing I want to address is this doesn't mean it doesn't sting to lose a loved one. This scripture is intended for the individuals that hear this scripture. Remember, Jesus wept when Lazarus was sleeping. And remember, Jesus didn't even call him dead until the disciples kept bugging him over and over about how he would wake up if he was sleeping. It's biblical to mourn with those who mourn. This verse teaches us how to take the sting out of dying and how we can participate in victory over death in Christ. Let's start with looking on how death started. In Genesis 3, 1 through 13, it reads, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So that's the first thing of camouflage with those, the leaves that they sowed. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman, put, or the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now, it's not recorded how long Adam and Eve were in the garden before they gave in to temptation. Could have been days, or it could have been centuries. We aren't sure how long mankind was without sin, but because of this sin, Adam and Eve were separated from God. So we can see how death came to mankind. This happened because of sin. Something that a lot of people don't understand is that death isn't the end. 
Death is the end of your soul being contained in an earthly vessel. This is even true when Jesus became a man and lived on the earth. This is found in Matthew 27, 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. When Jesus died on the cross, his spirit was no longer in the body. The body was left with Joseph Arimathea and was taken to the tomb. So where did Jesus' spirit go? Jesus answered this on the cross. And we find this in Luke 23, 43. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. When Jesus was talking to the thief on the cross, he told him after he died, they would be in paradise on that day. This shows that they would be alive even though their bodies had died. It is notable that he didn't say that they would be in heaven. I'm not going to get into that discussion today. It is imp the important thing is we know that God has a plan for us in the afterlife. Science doesn't really have an answer for the afterlife. Science doesn't have a real answer about outer body experiences. These experiences where people say they have left the body when they have died. And even in some cases, that person has no heartbeat for a long time. And then out of nowhere, that person comes back to life. Then that person is able to describe the things that happen in the operating room, even though they didn't have a heartbeat or consciousness. Without God, there really isn't a reason for why this happens. So why does death have a sting? We probably can come up with good answers on our own why death stings. But let's, for today's sake, look and see what Paul says about this. We can find this in 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and 57. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is very difficult to understand if we don't understand his lingo. The law refers to the commands given to Israel from God through Moses. Now, Adam and Eve had a miniature law, and it consisted of one commandment, don't eat from the tree. That's all they were held accountable for. And Paul is not referring to Adam and Eve. More laws were given through Moses, so sin increased. Probably one of my first thoughts is, if the law is perfect according to David, why is Paul saying the power of sin is the law God gave to his people? The answer is found in Romans 7, 5 through 7. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused in the law. We were are aroused by the law, were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. 
Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was if it had not been for the law. I would not know what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Back then, you couldn't be like, well, maybe this isn't God's law. God made it clear to the Israelites that the law came from him. It was miracle after miracle, sign after sign. People knew that this was the law from God. There were a few people who were considered blameless under the law, but overall, hardly anybody could keep it. Year after year, God's people and the kings would disobey the law. This is why God's people ended up in captivity. This is why they were waiting on a Messiah to give them a new covenant, a better covenant. There was a huge event that turned everything around. This event made up for what the law was lacking. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and raised again according to the scriptures. This is not a fairy tale. This isn't just some uplifting story to get you get excited. This is history as we see in 1 Corinthians 15, 5-8. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. He appeared to over 500 people at the same time. People would have known if Paul was lying. 500 witnesses are hard to explain away. This is something that we can bank on. Like the original law, we are without excuse not to believe Jesus is still doing miracles today. He's still healing people. There's also many testimonies of Muslims having dreams and converting to Christianity. I know just with myself, I have seen people healed. I've had a lady prophesy over me and my family, and less than a week later, it came true, even though it was not probable. And I've even had a dream myself where something came true. The resurrection is proof that Jesus is the Messiah, and he died for our sins. And it's proof that we serve in a new way, of the following the spirit of Jesus and his commandments. How did Jesus defeat the power of sin? When the people were under the law, as it says in Romans 5, 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Those who are children of God should notice a power to beat sin. This power is the Holy Spirit. It's the helper that empowers us to be like Jesus and say no to sin and yes to righteous works, as it reads in Romans 8, 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, 
Because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And he so condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might fully be met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned the thing that was making the law cause death. Because through Christ's Spirit, we can be free from the law of sin and death. We meet the requirements of the law when we live according to the Spirit and not the flesh. Just to make this clear, let's look at what living according to the Spirit looks like. And we can find this in Galatians 5, 16 through 26. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, road rage, Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. When Christ died, he gave us a spirit to walk with. One that leads us away from those fleshly desires. And we have a part in this. It's not like we just say, Jesus, take the wheel. We are called to walk this out in his spirit. And he gives us power and wisdom to do it. As long as we move with him or we stop with him, we are in the realm of the spirit. When you are tempted to do something wrong, you put on the brakes. When he's calling you to do something or help somebody, then you get your feet moving. The Spirit is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, as it says in Romans 8, 11. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and I just want to pause there and just read that again because I just really want this to stick. 
And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe God will empower us to conquer all sin and death? That we can do all things through Christ Jesus? Do we really believe that what lives in us has resurrection power? The same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same power that is taking away the sting of spiritual death and sin. And without the sting, we have victory over death and have spiritual life. As it says in John 5, 28 and 29. Do not be amazed at this. For the time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. There is going to be a time when the works of our faith faith will pay off. The tears and the sleepless nights where you have called out to Christ will pay off. Skipping the bar and leaving harmful friends behind and keeping in step with the Spirit will pay off. Giving money to those who are in need or the church will pay off. Being mocked for being a nerdy rule follower will pay off. And the only way that this pays off is if we die. As Paul says in Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Is it better to die? I want to be clear, it's not better for everyone. It is better for those who are going to receive eternal life. And I'm sure if you ask the family members and the friends who were left behind, they would say it's not better for them. But for those who are putting their faith in Jesus, death. This is an amazing thing to look forward to. The resurrection of the saints give us hope, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 54. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed, for the perishable must be clothed or clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Can you imagine never having to work another day in your life? Even if you don't have, another, have a job, you still have to clean the house and other things that you have to do. I would never have to unclog another toilet again. 
We would never have to get an expensive car repair. I wouldn't have to get stung again or mosquito bites, which I'm hating this time of year. But you know what? I wouldn't care if that all stayed the same as long as I get to be in the presence of my maker. I could thank him for sparing me, bringing me out of a lifestyle that I was in. I would love to worship my God every day, hopefully in his presence. But one thing we shouldn't be missing from our dream in heaven is God. I think when we are in his presence, we will be surprised about how that other stuff people dream about in heaven won't matter that much. So let's put our hope in one day getting to meet our king and his father who sent him for us. Let's stop hoping to live an American dream, but start dreaming to live with Christ and to believe when we die, it's gain.